0: Here we go, here we go. So how many of you guys were here last week and heard Sam preach? Didn't he do a good job? Ooh, that was good stuff. We are going to keep on rolling with, uh, with some of the things that Sam was talking about. Uh, however, before we get into that, um, we're going to talk about hidden things today, hidden things. Um, I remember, and I'm about to watch my daughter melt into a puddle underneath her chair, there it goes. So I remember uh, when, uh, when our kids were little, um, we, uh, Jenny had made some chocolate chip cookies at one point, and they were, she had sat those on the dining room table. And our children were, uh, were instructed the cookies were not to be eaten until after dinner. That's right. One of them followed the rules. One of them... Did not. (laughs) So as we came out, we walked from into the kitchen, into the dining room, we noticed there were a couple of chocolate chip cookies were missing. (laughs) Michaela was sitting under the table, crisscross applesauce, chomping on them, looking like this. Hiding was not her strong suit. <laughs> but hidden things can feel exciting. They can feel extra special. They can feel, they can, we can feel some relief because nobody saw me do it. Uh, I've kept it, I've kept it quiet. They, they, it is, uh, no one knows my secrets. I'm going to get away with it. As Sam was sharing that, uh, last week, the seed of the gospel is sown into our hearts, and our hearts are our secret place. Nobody knows what's in our hearts except us. Seeds that begin to grow start, when we plant physical seeds, they start to grow underground in a secret place. You can't see it, Where, and the growth is hidden, which I think Isaac's going to talk about here in a little bit the condition of our hearts are only truly known by God and ourselves. Nobody else really truly knows what's going on in our hearts, which means the only person who truly knows if my heart, like, like, uh, like Sam talked about last week, knows that if my heart is hard and packed down, if it's rocky, if it's, if it's weedy, or if it's healthy, is me and God. Now, I will say this, I have, I've had lots of people in my counseling office who have got, become very good at not only trying to fool other people, but of fooling themselves. And that is a very enlightening thing to happen to someone when they realize that they have been fooling themselves for so long and now what they have been trying to fool themselves about has been exposed. Because we can fool everybody else We cannot fool God, which is why others don't get to judge us. He knows every thought, every desire, every intention. Nobody else does, which is why when we die, we don't stand before a court of our peers like we do now. We will stand before one person, and his name is God. When we choose, however, to indulge the weeds in our lives, uh, who are we hiding that from? When you do that, when you are indulging those weeds in your life, those things that you know God is not pleased with, when you are indulging those things, who do you hide that from? If you are married, are there things that you are keeping secret from your spouse, if you are not married, uh, do you have that big... This is something that, that Nikki's taught us for a long time. Do you have that big, godly person that can help hold you accountable so that you have, you have someone who else who knows what's going on? Are you keeping that from that big, godly person? Or are you choosing to go it alone because your walk with God is nobody else's business but yours, and you're going to do that on your own. I would say that is a ridiculous choice because we were not made to live life on our own. There's a song from back in the 60s, guys, remember uh, Simon and Garfunkel? He wrote that song called, I am a rock, I am an island. I built walls so nobody can see. I have my books to protect me. That's not how God made us to be islands. Because all through the scriptures, God makes it very clear that we were never made to be isolated. Every believer is adopted into the body of Christ. And who is the body of Christ? everybody in this room who has asked Jesus into their hearts are a part of the singular body of Christ, which means we are all connected, which means when I blow it, you're affected, which means when you blow it, I'm affected which means we have responsibility to each other to hold each other accountable and to help each other grow. It's not our job to judge each other. It's not our job to pound on each other. When you're doing something I don't like, I'm not gonna come and pound on you. That's not my role. My role is to help point you to Jesus so that you can begin to fulfill the potential that you have in your relationship with Christ, which is where our true potential is found. Every believer is adopted into this body. Which I would suggest that, uh, that I, lots, of, lots of us have these things called man caves or she sheds. And I would suggest that, that, that this is a great place for us to be cowardly. Because for a lot of guys, when things get hard, when things get frustrating, a lot of guys will retreat to that man cave because they've not, they've not matured enough emotionally to, be, to learn how to regulate their own emotions. And they've not learned how to mature enough relationally to, uh, to, to resolve issues that, ha- that happen between, uh, between them and someone else. So we go hide. And a lot of people do that, men and women. We do this. So so the question is, what are some of those rocks in your life, uh, if you can remember back to what Sam taught last week, what are some of those rocks in your life that keep your spiritual roots from growing deep? What are those rocks? What are the weeds that are growing in your soil that are competing for your attention and your strength? And how did the soil of your heart become so trampled down that's the stuff that's happening in that secret place. Can you describe the mental, emotional, and spiritual gymnastics that, we, that you need to, to go through in order to maintain a double life? Where around people, I am this way. When I am by myself, I am completely different. What are those gymnastics that happen in your mind that you have to do to shut off the voice of the Holy Spirit as he is trying to lead you into that deeper relationship with himself? Which takes us to our first fill-in-the-blank, which is this. The Holy Spirit is a light that exposes what is hidden. Should I give this a try? He's controlling it. That's best. <laughs> so, excellent. So, the Holy Spirit is a light that exposes what is hidden. We see this starting in Mark, and this is right where Sam left off last week. So, will you uh, follow along with me? And this is Mark chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 21. It says this, He said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't, put, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Because all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Spirit of God is described as a fire or as a light. So we see that we see that uh, to this man named Moses. Maybe some of us have heard of this guy named Moses. Moses was uh, he was chosen by God to bring the uh, the Israelites out of the nation of of, of Egypt. He he uh, when when God came to Moses, he came to Moses in a fire, in, a, in in a shrub. He showed up and he spoke to Moses in this fire that that was burning in this, in this bush, in the shrub. He also showed up as Moses was leading all of the Israelites through the wilderness. When they were walking at night, he showed up as this pillar of fire, that, and, and he stayed out in front of them. They knew where to go because this fire, who was the Spirit of God, was leading them. He, and, and we see that over and over and over throughout, uh, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, Let's take, keep our spots right here, and Mark, if you got your Bible, let's uh, take a peek back to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews t- 12 verses 28 and 29. Hebrews 12: 29 says this, "Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, which is the kingdom of God, let us be thankful." and so worship god acceptably with reverence and awe for our god is a consuming fire so once again we see this picture of god who's a consuming fire who burns up stuff that 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 is not of him but also brings light to different parts of our lives because practically at this point in history you know we didn't they didn't go Flip the switch and turn the light on, it was fire. Fire exposed what was in the dark. And so, and it was, so that was their primary form of light uh, at nighttime. So when the Spirit of God brings conviction into our lives, when he starts speaking into our hearts, we have a choice to make. Are we going to listen to that voice that is leading us to, to do something, to say something, or do we choose to, uh, to ignore that voice? Um, I'm, I was thinking of um, my son-in-law, who is a police officer, and I had a buddy who uh, was in Toledo when we lived up there who was a police officer. And it's always talked about, you know, when someone got caught with something in their pockets that was illegal, their normal response is What? Not mine. I don't know where that came from. It's in my pocket. Someone must have, you know, it's my friend's pants. I just haven't put my friend's pants on, and now it's there. So, when things are exposed, we have a decision to make do we fess up to it? Do we acknowledge the things that God is exposing in our hearts that ought not to be there? Or do we pretend like we don't hear the voice? Do we shut off the voice of the Holy Spirit and choose to live? Uh, the way however we want to. Which leads us to our next, our next fill in the blank, which is we have to determine if we have ears to hear. And we see this in that next sentence, verse 23, in Mark chapter four, verse 23, because he says, Jesus said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. How responsive is your conscience. How responsive when God is speaking to you is your conscience to the, voice, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Those who have ears to hear recognize the voice of God and they realize, ah, shouldn't be doing that because he guides us into obedience The Holy Spirit will guide us into obedience. This ultimately brings correcting the quality of the... It brings... uh it corrects the, the quality of the soil in our hearts. If we realize those weeds that are in there, if we realize the rocks that are in there, if we realize that our hearts are that packed down soil, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, if we have ears to hear, we will respond to him, we will remove the rocks, we will remove the weeds, we will till up that hard packed down soil so that God can continue to speak to us and continue to lead us. Things get too out of control. I don't know where I'm at. I just got lost. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't matter. All right, let's move on to the third fill in the blank. (laughs) Third fill in the blank is this. We have to determine then what it is that we value. So when we are listening, we need to consider what it is that we are hearing. What it is we're listening to. So let's pick up in verses 24 and 25. It says this: Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, "With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever oh wait a minute, we'll hold off on that one." Okay, so we have to determine what it is that we value. When we are listening, we consider what it is that we are taking into our mind, what it is we are taking into our soul. What is being spoken into us? What are those values that we are opening ourselves up to? We need to pay attention to what it is we are allowing in. Because these are also seeds, if I am continually putting things that are not from God into my mind, that stuff's going to grow. If I'm continuing to listen, maybe listen to, to music that is just awful, or if I continue to put things into my mind through maybe things I watch on TV and, or movies, the things that I'm putting into my mind, those are also seeds. And those things will grow. Those things will impact how I think, they will impact what I do. All of those little seeds, things that we're taking into our mind are very, very important. And he he even says here that uh, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this idea of measure we see here has more to do with making a judgment based on a certain standard. What am I deciding is my right and wrong? What am I deciding is healthy and unhealthy for me? Whatever I decide is my right and wrong, those are the things I'm going to allow into my mind. And consequently, it's also going to be the things that I choose not to allow into my mind. Whatever standard, whatever measure, I am measuring the things into my mind, that's what I'm going to take in or that's what I'm going to refuse. What he's talking about here is the standard that, that he desires us To bring into our mind are the seeds of the gospel when i hear the message of jesus i allow that into my heart that's what starts to grow and as that grows as my relationship with jesus grows it's going to do what we call bear fruit the fruit of the spirit is going to grow because, it, because I have brought the Holy Spirit into my life, so he is going to grow the things in my heart that he wants. So I'm going to start acting like Jesus, not acting like the selfish jerk that I would probably, in my flesh, would normally be. But when I take the message of Jesus in, when I take the seeds of the gospel in, he starts to change me. He starts to change how I think. He starts to change how I see the world around me. It's not me. It's the work that Jesus does inside of me when I take his message in. And so then we get to whoever is living with this good soil, he or she will be given, as he says, um, in that, that end part of verse 25, whoever, whoever has will be given more whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now this, I think this is referring to another parable that Jesus taught called the parable of the talents. Uh, We see that in Matthew chapter 25, where uh, it talks about the master uh, who is referred to as God. He goes on a trip and he gives three men uh, different amounts of wealth. One guy, I think he gives five bags of gold. One, he gives two bags of gold. One, he gives one bag of gold. The guy who was give, the guys who were given five and two took what they were given, used it in a way that was pleasing to the master. It brought a return, and, and the master uh, rewarded these two guys when they operated from a place of obedience. The third guy operated from a, from a place of fear. He was afraid to do what the master had asked him to do. So he went and he, t- he, he buried his wealth. And he just, because he was afraid that if I mess up, then I'm going to get, the master's going to punish me. And so I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to bury my wealth. Well, what, what he says here is if we, if we operate that way, even what we have is going to be taken away from us. Because God gives us talents. He gives us gifts. He gives us the things in our lives because he wants us to use those for his glory. He wants us to use those in a way that points to him and shows everybody around us that we are different. And as we do that, God is glorified. God is honored, and he desires us to honor him. So we go back to Matthew 25, there's, a, there's an amazing statement that, um, that the master gave those two guys who used their wealth appropriately. He said, you remember what he said? What were the two things he said? Well, well done. Well done. You are a good and a faithful servant. He said, come into my presence because I'm gonna give you a whole lot more than that. The third guy did not get that same response his was you wicked lazy servant I gave you this I wanted you to use this you had the best that I had to give you and you wasted it you buried it and so, and so he says here that even what has given, been given that person who chooses to bury their gifts it will be taken away from them Can you imagine, can you imagine standing before God and having those words spoken to you? Well done. You are my good and faithful servant because I gave you a little and you used it in a way that glorified me. I hope that as we think about that, that's something that is important to you. Okay. Okay. So we so we so we start talking about the kingdom of God. At this point, Isaac is going to pick up and talk uh, about the kingdom of God. So go ahead.
1: Well, hello. Uh, I'm Isaac, son of Jim. Um, I'm gonna sketch <laughs> over a little bit. Am I doing something wrong with the microphone? Okay, I'm not supposed to touch it. All right. So I am. I do stuff with our student ministries. I'm the youth group leader. Um, And I've been asked to do this. And so I'm excited. I can't touch it. Okay, so we're going to talk about, we are talking about this kingdom of God. So this phrase, the kingdom of God, is used over 50 times in the New Testament. Um, And it's similar, at least the way I understand it, it's similar to like the laws of nature. So the laws of nature for us is what we follow. Like, we don't really have a choice. It's, it's the way that we function. Gravity exists, so we obey gravity. And so the kingdom of God is kind of like this laws of nature, where if we have given our lives to Jesus, if we've asked him to be our Lord, then the kingdom of God is our reality. It's how we function. It's what we do. So the next two parables that we're going to read here in Mark Jesus starts off by saying the kingdom of God is like, which is nice because he's like just giving us the textbook as to how we operate, what we do. This is how we function. And unlike a boring science book, um, sorry if you like science, I don't, um, he teaches us in a way that we enjoy, that we naturally enjoy, which is stories, which is parables. And so Jesus is instructing, the people that, that are listening, which is the people that he was talking to, and us now, uh, letting them know that this is their reality, which must means that the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven doesn't stop in heaven. The the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven expand to us, so we experience the kingdom of heaven on earth because it is in our hearts, which is our my first fill in the blank, the location. The location of the kingdom of God is our hearts. When we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, we are saved because we are now a citizen of the kingdom of God, which is inside, then becomes inside the deepest parts of us, which is our hearts. Which is also why, as, as Jim, Dad, Dad, Jim, as Jim was talking about, um, as Jim was talking about, that the, we can't hide anything in our hearts because if we are a citizen of the kingdom of God, that's where God is. God is there. That's, that's where he is. So let's take a look then as to what our reality is if we are under God's sovereign rule in Mark 4, verse 26. I'm going to read off the screen he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. That's, That's the end. So if we look at this, whole, this chapter as a whole, and not just in sections, which sometimes we can do, we can section off everything. If we look at it as a whole, this parable teaches the same things that everything else in the chapter is talking about. It's about like the hidden stuff. It's about uh, the four soils. So we can carry, carry on a lot of the same things. The soil is our hearts, and the seeds is, is the gospel message. Even more so, this specific parable is a zoomed-in version of the good soil that Sam taught about. Like, this is a continuation of that. This is actually a zoomed-in picture of that part of the parable. So this is the good soil that we're looking at, the one that grows to be a hundred times harvest. So the farmer drops the seed. It's accepted into the soil. Then the farmer proceeds to go about his farming jobs. And because the ground grows things, we see that this seed is able to grow. But it's a slow process. It starts off as a little leaf, then grows bigger, then grows bigger, and then it's ready for harvest. Day and night, it happens. It becomes more strong, it becomes more mature, until it's finally ready for harvest. Jesus is saying that the entire process, every single thing in this parable, is part of what the kingdom of God is. This is how it functions, which means this is how we function. We recognize that the soil is our hearts, the seed is the gospel message. Some parables um, about like farm related things, about soils and plants, farmers, a lot of parables, the farmer is God, like he's the one that like grows things. Uh, but in this parable, he's not because it says that the, that the farmer doesn't know how it grows, how the seed grows, but God surely knows how the seed grows because he's the one that grows it. Um, so the, the farmer in this parable is the person that is sharing the gospel message, sharing the word of God to someone else, that they're spreading this seed of the gospel message to other people. The, the process starts with the farmer sharing the gospel with someone. And with time, that starts to make a difference in the other person. And it says, it doesn't know, the farmer doesn't know how it grows. We might not know how it grows, but we share it anyways. We share this seed. And it does start to make a difference. If we look at, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which I, very right there. Uh, It says, What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. We kind of see that like our job is to plant it. We might be to water it. But this passage is saying that God is the one that grows it. So the farmer is us. The soil is our hearts. The seed is the gospel message. God is the source of life that produces growth inside us. So our our parable in Mark says that the earth produces crops on its own. He says that in verse uh, 28. All by itself, the soil produces grain. This kind of shows us that that this is our hearts. Like our hearts, whenever it is met with the gospel, like it is to grow because that's how we were made. We were made to interact with God's word. We were made to interact with God and so that's it just grows naturally. I think a lot of times we choose to dig up the seed. But if we truly let it find its spot in our soil, in our hearts, it will grow because that's what it does. That's what it's supposed to do. That's how God made our hearts. We are fulfilling the design of our hearts when we accept the seed and we interact with God's heart. Because when we talk about a purpose, that's our purpose. Our purpose is to interact with the seed, to accept it, and to let it grow. If these things happen, then finally the seed becomes mature. The gospel message leads us to completion in our journey and in our understanding and our spiritual maturity and our spiritual growth. And when that happens, we're harvested, which seems a lot more threatening than I'm sure it actually is. Um, But I think it's a good thing when we're harvested. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. So the listener of this parable is focusing on the soil, on our hearts. And this is the first area that should cause impact in us because it's the expansion of the kingdom of God. God created his kingdom to function this way, which means God created his kingdom to function with our participation, which is really cool. It seemed, it, if it doesn't seem completely wild to us, if the sentence that he made his kingdom to function with our participation feel as normal as Ohio summer in February, then it should be like a red flag for us. Like that should be that should be exciting. That should be crazy. God created the kingdom of God to spread on earth by our participation. Thankfully, He doesn't leave it all to us because uh, we would not get a lot done but he says that all we have to do is spread the gospel is to spread the kingdom of god to the hearts of those around us by sharing jesus by sharing the things that we have we have experienced and also thankfully he provides the growth in our hearts and it's not just up to us to make the growth it's not up to the person that shared the gospel with you to make sure that you grow God is the one that provides the growth He's the one that grows the scene So long story short Tell people about Jesus Yeah The next part of the parable That also impacts us We're on the same parable Is this process that leads towards maturity Maturity happens Day in, day out Day in, day out, day in, day out It's a process It takes time Um, But it's all because of the Word of God. Our focus isn't on the seed. Our focus isn't necessarily, like, our will can't make the seed grow. But our focus is on the soil. Our focus is on the things that are happening in the soil, on our hearts. If we're keeping the Word of God in our soil, there will be growth. Because it's what our hearts do when it connects with God. when we look at like an acorn go from the small nut to a huge tree it doesn't happen overnight It's a really long process from the small scene to the big tree so we can't expect to become a mature Christian overnight to just become perfect in our walk and always steadfast overnight just because we come to church one Sunday we start out as this fragile stem which is in great danger from the other things in our soil. It can get overwhelmed so easily without specific extra care of the soil. Then we slowly grow the head, then the kernel and the head, whatever these farming things mean. And eventually, in the growth, we get to the next parable. And so as we read this next parable, we can notice the same language. Like it continues the same language as the last parable, as the four soils. It continues. In verse 30. 30. Can we get verse 30 on the screen? Is verse 30 on the screen? If not, I can read it here. Okay. Verse 30, if you can follow along says, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. So he's talking about this seed, which might not seem very important, because it's the smallest seed of all the seeds. It might seem so small and insignificant to us, but when it's planted in this good soil and good condition, it grows. And not only does it grow well, it becomes a massive plant, so big that this plant provides protection and comfort for animals. I believe that Jesus is saying that if you have tended to your heart, And if you've truly chosen to listen to the words that he gives us, that this is your potential. This is everyone's potential. This is my potential. This is our potential. I think sometimes we feel like our potential when it comes to garden foliage is the weeds. That's our potential. Our potential is that we're the ones taking from other people and affecting their growth for the negative and we're making a mess. I think that sometimes we might feel like the dandelion who looks good but that's all that we can really provide. We don't provide anything else. Maybe we are the garden gnome who doesn't even have life. It's just coasting by in neutral, not feeling anything or making any difference. But that's that's not what Jesus is saying in this passage. That's not what he's saying to his listeners. That's not what he's saying to you. He's saying that this is your potential. This is who he made you to be, to be a big bush that is not only healthy and thriving for your sake, but for those around us, providing protection for other people. He says that you aren't going to get there. You're not going to get to this big tree, this big bush by anything that you can do, we can't, we can't make the seed grow. We can't do anything to get to this point. Every other tactic that we try to use to get to this point that is not God will fail and will take from other plants. My last fill in the blank is that accepting the gospel message means yielding control and results in a big shrub. The big shrub is that Potential. All that we have to do is remove all the things in our soil that we remove the things in our soil to allow the word of God to take root. And then we maintain the soil. We focus on God's words. We listen. We do what he says. And day in and day out, it will grow in us no matter if we understand it or if we don't. God will bring us to maturity because that is our potential. Our potential is based on God's word in our hearts and nothing else, which is our choice. We choose to listen or to ignore it or to try and fit the seed in with the 20 other more important seeds in our lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, uh, I would like to introduce you to Jeremy. It's Jeremy Burns. Um, you have been, uh, if you've been here the last several weeks, you've heard um, some people, come on up. Uh, you've heard some different people giving some testimonies. Uh, Jeremy and there's been a couple of us that have been meeting here for uh, the last several, we- well, not the last several, but a bunch of Wednesdays. Um, and Jeremy went through uh, Equip here last year. And he has been growing like crazy. Um, and so what, what I wanted him to share is about what he did to amend or to repair the soil in his life. So, Jeremy, talk a little bit about uh, when your soil was not yet repaired.
2: Well, um, before Christ, before I actually started listening to what he had to say to me, um, you live life and it's unfulfilling, uh, it was pretty empty. Um, me personally, uh, I lived life for myself, I lived in the flesh, um, lots of immoral behavior. I never lost a party, let's put it that way. Um, most of my time, this behaviors, um, I made decisions, life-altering decisions because of these behaviors um, hurt a lot of people hurt a lot of relationships hurt myself Um, the only time I really prayed was when I wanted something Um, so you don't realize how empty life is until you you see what God has for you when you really actually start uh, listening to what his word is um, Throughout my life, I think my heart's been in each uh, section of the soil. Uh, for the longest time, it was in the rocky, the rocky section of the uh, rocky soil. Um, although I didn't see it, uh, throughout all of this, God is working my soil, uh, slowly picking out all the rocks and getting me ready for what he has planned for me. I started to grow my roots, especially when my first born son was born. Um, there was a lot of uh, complications uh, about a month before he was actually born. His mother's water broke and the doctor said he wasn't going to be viable. On uh, April 22nd, 2011, he was born, emergency C-section. He was two pounds, two ounces, he could fit in the palm of my hand. Uh, day three of life they found a perforation in his bowels so they had to go in and when you're this big five centimeters is pretty significant they had to take out you know, a section of his intestines because they were dead uh, they didn't think he was going to make it through that either that night in Akron Children's <sighs> I prayed I prayed like I never prayed before God responded. I've never seen him more clearly in my life. And uh, the doctor's notes for Braden said he was the exception to the rule. And I know it was because of God. He is here now. He's going to turn 13 here in a month or two. Uh, so it's God's work has been there the entire time. Uh, but that was when I really started looking for God's hand um, started intentionally praying Uh, I knew knew at that point there was going to be a purpose for me I knew there was a purpose for Braden I had another son I know there's a purpose for him as well Uh, but that's when I found God's outstretched hand Uh, I started praying not for things I wanted, but just to have the conversation with God to grow my roots, um, just to talk to him. I was hungry for his guidance and to hear his voice. (laughs) Uh, it was still a few years before I, I came to fully grasp God's hand, um, and that's pretty much a couple years ago when we started coming here. This place has been a blessing. I went through uh, Equip, uh, Growth Track first, and this is something I'd never thought I'd do. Uh, any, I Just going to church, I thought was enough. Went through Growth Track, I found out, you know what, there's a purpose, and I need to find that purpose. So I, I chose to I chose to get into the Word more, um, and then I went through Equip, and I realized, okay, the, the, it's not called Equip just for any reason. It's because it equips you to find God. Uh, each each step I took got me closer. Uh, <coughs> you know you practice your you learn what spiritual disciplines are and you practice them and each each time or each every day you you grow closer and closer and closer Uh, and now I find myself in the crowded soil and I only find myself in the crowded soil because of my past life and all the weeds that have grown up aren't flowers they're weeds Uh, so now I use the Bible Uh, as the holy weed whacker (laughs) every day getting rid of more of the weeds (laughs) and each time I spend the more time I spend in God's words it's been my spiritual miracle grow Uh, he's producing my fruit and it's good fruit and I'm excited about that Uh, so throughout all of this what he's taught me is to be content in every circumstance, and through everything, through everything, the highs and the lows, He's working, uh, tilling my soil and tending my garden. Every day, another weed is pulled. So I, I am I am thankful uh, for God, for Jesus and their love, uh, the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until just recently, like I, I, it, something hit me, and I was like, I said, you know what? The Holy Spirit, the same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. It's in every single one of you. And when you when you realize that, it's empowering. Like, I feel good. <laughs> I feel great. It's um, good to get up here and tell you guys this. Just because it's, it's like, you know, the whole sharing, like what Isaac was just talking about. That's what we need to do. Because the more we do that... Who knows what ears need to hear it, but good. for those that have ears, let them hear.
0: That's good. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully, that's encouraging wherever you're at, because <clears throat> I've heard some of Jeremy's stories, and you, if wherever you're at, you can relate to some of the things that, that, uh, that Jeremy's going through, that he's gone through and where he's at now, which takes us to one of our most fun things that we do here, which is our time of baptism. And I would like...